Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosmo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Uh, can you believe the season's already over? Uh, another ATP WTA season has come, and it's gone. Now that it's over, we kind of have a lot to catch up on. I think this episode is pretty much just going to be news that has happened over the last really month or so, and some stats and other things, uh, fun facts, and we're just going to kind of get to everything. Because we've missed out on it recently because, you know, you have the ATP Finals, Next Gen ATP Finals, the Davis Cup, the WTA Finals was in there somewhere. So, like, there's just been so much going on ever since the U.S. Open, really, that I haven't been able to get to a whole lot of news. And especially the month of November, a lot of things came out that I didn't really mention a whole lot of. So I just want to get to that now. I want to start with the year-end number one. Carlos Alcaraz is the year-end number one. And with winning the year-end number one and staying at number one at the end of the year, Carlos Alcaraz becomes the youngest year-end number one ever at 19 years, six months, and nine days. Now, the closest to him was Leighton Hewitt at 20 years, 10 months. And then it was Roddick, Connors, Courier, Sampras, Nadal, McEnroe, Federer, Borg. All those guys. Uh... That's a lot of names in there that you probably recognize. A name that's not in that top 10 is Novak Djokovic because he kind of got bigger later in his career after, you know, he wasn't as young as Alcaraz or Nadal or any of those guys. But 19 years old, 19 and a half years old, what an incredible feat by Carlos Alcaraz. Now, Alcaraz winning the year-end number one kind of breaks a streak of the big four. Here's the year-end number ones since 2004. Federer, 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 Nadal, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Murray, Nadal, Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Alcaraz. So Carlos Alcaraz is the first player outside of the Big Four to be in or to finish the year year end number one since 2004. That's almost 20 years that those four players have dominated, and really those three players because Andy Murray was only it once and that was in 2016. So just to give you more context of what Carlos Alcaraz is doing right now in the sport of tennis and really how remarkable his run is right now, that is the kind of company that he's in, and that's the kind of streak that he just broke here in 2022. And there's no doubt that Djokovic and Nadal had a real chance at being year-end number one. Maybe less Djokovic because he didn't get a play in a few tournaments. But Carlos Alcaraz, an incredible, incredible year, and he ends it on top. Very excited about what he does here in 2023. Speaking of young stars really making a name for themselves, Ben Shelton, the American, ends the season fantastically. He wins three straight tournaments to end the year in the top 100. Now, he is number 97 in the world after just being pretty much on tour the last half of this, not even the last half of the season, but the last half of the year, really starting from July on after he declared to be pro full-time before entering the U.S. Open. Now, he wins three straight tournaments, sorry, challenger tournaments to end the year. He wins Charlottesville, where he beats Christopher Eubanks in the final, and then he wins Knoxville, where he beats Christopher Eubanks in the final, and then he wins Champaign, where he beats Alexander Vukic in the final. So 
I'm happy for Ben Shelton. Some guys get into the limelight, especially right after college, and there's a lot of hype around them, but it's hard to stay on top. It's such a hard you know, tour to play on, whether it's the Challenger Tour or the ATP Tour, because there's so many good players at so many levels. So for him to follow up his good you know, U.S. Open run a little bit, even though he lost early on in the U.S. Open, I think there were a lot of eyes on him coming off of a great career at Florida in the NCAAs. But for him to follow it up with three challenger tournament wins here at the end of the season, big confidence booster for him moving forward into Australia. And I'm excited to see what he does in 2023 when he gets down to Australia and can play in the Australian Open and everything that'll happen down under. Let's keep it in professional tennis as far as professional tennis players. Now, this is a player that's been pro for a while, and it's Kai Nishikori. We have not heard much from Kai Nishikori in a long time. He's been in and out. Uh, he just hasn't been on tour as much, hasn't been playing as great. And he kind of came out and talked about it. And We Are Tennis tweeted, you know, this is his quote. Quote, I was really depressed, even thought about retirement. From July to September, I was in rehab at home for three months, was not able to hit on court, and that was tough mentally. Uh, he says, I'm not sure when I will be back, but I have not hit balls for the last month. I'm aiming to play in the Australian Open, but it's a 50-50 chance. I think I'm speaking for a lot of people. I'd love to see him play in the Australian Open and really get back because he brings such a uniqueness to tour the way that he plays. You know, he's a finalist at the U.S. Open when he played Marin Cilic, and I think there's a lot of fans out there, especially, you know, the Japanese fans and They've been waiting to root, root, root for somebody over there. There's a few good Japanese players right now, but Kai Nishikori was the face of Japanese tennis for so long. So it'd be good to see him back on court. Sticking with some more news, I told you today is literally going to be all talking pretty much news and everything that's going on in the world of tennis. Bob Bryan and Marty Fish are fined by the ITIA for promoting gambling. Uh, this is something that's very interesting to me because the way that gambling is in sports right now is so popular and it makes so much money for so many sports books, but also it gets a lot of eyes on sports and a lot of people who wouldn't really pay attention to certain sports. It gets them gambling on it and now they're really paying attention. You know, people that wouldn't normally come to the US Open or watch US Open are now going to watch it because they have money on it. I think it's good for the sport of tennis, especially for a smaller sport to get eyes on it. People start learning about the sport by gambling on the sport, but uh, it, it, is interesting to me as betting gets more popular. Uh, this is most likely going to be an issue for a lot of folks. Now, Marty Fish and Bob Bryan aren't necessarily don't necessarily play professional tennis, but they're still involved, and I think that's the problem here. Uh, I just think this could open the door for something much larger moving forward. You know, if there's a big gambling uh, agency or whatever, big gambling site that's a big sponsor on Tennis Channel or Amazon Prime or any of these, when they go to the French Open and they go to the other places. There's other professional tennis players that work for these networks so or former pro professional tennis players that work for these networks. So things could get dicey. Things could get interesting. I'm very interested to see how this you know, punishment does moving forward as more things become more complicated in the world of tennis. Now I want to bring you an in interesting stat. We talked about how Canada had been playing such good tennis, especially at the Davis Cup. They win the Davis Cup. Felix Ogiel-Yassim had a great last six months of the year. He's playing fantastic tennis. Again, it's so good to see him at that level. But let me give you this stat. This comes from mid-November. It says... 
Felix Ojeale-Asim has become the first and barring a Federer comeback will forever be the only player born in the 2000s to have defeated every one of the big three. He beat Federer and Holly in 2021, beat Djokovic at the Labor Cup in 2022, and beat Nadal at the ATP Finals in 2022. What a stat. I mean, you can kind of pick and choose stats like this wherever you go. Like, oh, well, this is the first person who was born in the later half of October that has dark hair that's ever beat Federer. I get it. There's all these random stats that are everywhere. But these two played well into the time where players in there that were born in 2000 or 2001 could have played all three of these guys multiple times. Felix Ojeale-Asim just so happened to play incredible tennis against all of them and beat all of them, and now he holds that record. Still moving on to some news, Fernando Verdasco accepts a two-month ban to resolve an inadvertent anti-doping case. Now, according to a release that was sent out there, this is uh, a drug or a medication that's found in ADHD medicine, and so he failed what it sounds like in this explanation is he failed to register it uh, with the therapeutic use exemption because it says that he has ADHD, but he forgot to you know register this medication this time around. And so he tested positive for it, and he agrees that he tested positive for it, and so he is accepting uh, his two-month suspension that it is. So an interesting case here, um, but it's... Weird. The whole thing with anti-doping is weird because, you know, some doctors you can get, uh, you know, a therapeutic use exemption for medicine that maybe you don't have ADHD, but you get ADHD. I'm not saying he does or doesn't, but it seems like there's some loud people on the Internet talking about this. But nevertheless, as a 38-year-old Verdasco, hasn't really been a staple on tour for a while as far as success. And he's going to have to take two months off. And that is going to be it for him for the 2022 season, which it probably was anyway. Uh, We'll see him in 2023, I'm guessing. Into some more fun facts for this episode, Rafael Nadal, by winning the Australian Open this year, has become the first player ever to win multiple majors in three different decades. Then by winning Roland Garros, he upped it to three or more majors in three different decades. That is the tennis, uh, tennis tennis.com. That is their stat of the year. I mean... As it should be. I think, I mean, that's so hard. Three different decades, you're winning all that. That's incredible. That means you have to play in three different decades. That's like a minimal of 12 years. All right, last couple things of this episode. I'll keep it nice and short for you today as we get to a lot of this news. Um, The Diriyah Tennis Cup that's in Saudi Arabia is happening from December 8th through the 10th. And this seems to be who is in that tournament as of right now, the player field is Stan Wawrinka, Dominic Team, Nick Kyrgios, Hubie Hercoc, Matteo Berrettini, Taylor Fritz. That is Daniil Medvedev, Alexander Zverev, Andre Rublev, uh, Cam Nori, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Dominic Stricker. Now, this is all according to uh, Michael Samolski on Twitter, but he says that uh, the official draw ceremony is going to be this Wednesday. The first four seeded players will receive a bye in the first round. The remaining first round matches and the quarterfinals will be played on Thursday. It'll all end up on Saturday. Now, the losers of the first round will start their own doubles tournament. Should be very interesting to see how it goes. It's going to be a little, it seems, different than a normal tournament, uh, but it just got all-stars all around the board. So, uh, interested to kind of see how it goes. It's something new, something different, and There's a lot of big names in it, so it's definitely going to catch the eye of a lot of people. All right, last thing in this episode. We end this episode more on a uh, sad note, I would say. A legend in the tennis world has officially 
passed away. Now, this comes after a few weeks ago when his daughter said that it might be towards the end, and he said, no, 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 no. I'm doing just well. I'm going to keep trucking until I'm older. And Nick Boletari, the legendary coach in the sport of tennis, has died at age 91. Now, Nick Boletari, uh, there's a lot of people that say a lot of different things about him. There's people who you know aren't huge fans of him. There's other people that look at the accomplishments and what he's done at the IMG Academy in Florida and say, hey, there's only a few people in the world that could have done something so miraculous that Nick Boletari did. And it's incredible. And I give all the props in the world to Nick Boletari. I don't know anybody that ever coached there. I don't know anybody that ever played there. I don't know Nick, and I don't know people that know Nick. So I don't know much about him other than what I've read and what I've seen. Andre Agassi in his book, Open, talked a lot about Nick Boletari and how Nick helped Andre get to the where he was in his tennis career. Now, there's things in there where he says that he didn't like a lot of things about Nick, but that doesn't undermine the fact that Nick Boletari was a visionary. He was he saw things before they actually happened. Um, you know, he looked at Andre Agassi and said, you know, you're going to be a guy. You're going to be the one. And I think Nick Boletari was fantastic for the sport of tennis. You don't coach 10 world number ones and not be good for the sport. I What he's done for tennis, bringing it to IMG Academy. IMG Academy today is known for the basketball and it's known for the football because of the social media presence, all that. But it will always be a tennis academy. Tennis in Florida is so well known. Tennis in Florida is such a staple of the sports scene there. And it's largely contributed to Nick Boletari and what he's done at his academy. He brings kids from all over the world to this academy to become all-star tennis players. And when they leave there, they are all-star tennis players. What an incredible career and an incredible life, really, for Nick Boletari. What he did in the times that he did it over six decades. Now, I'm taking some of this from the ATP website, but they say... uh, to name, to name uh, but a few coaches, Boletari took the sport out of country clubs and public courts and away from the traditional college route onto the pro tours. Uh, he went about fast-tracking thousands of aspiring professional athletes uh, to the first full live-on training program at the Nick Boletari Tennis Academy, now named IMG Academy. Uh, first opened his doors in 81, uh, had a big old loan of $1.8 million, and he said you cannot do it yourself, you have to have a team. Uh, it's really incredible what he's done for the sport of tennis. You look at some of the people that he coached. Uh, he has guys like uh, Andre Agassi, who I mentioned, Jim Currier, Monica Seles, uh, Maria Sharapova. Just incredible, incredible career in life, really, that Nick Boletari led. Tennis would not be the sport it is today. It would not be in the place it is today without Nick Boletari and visionaries and pioneers of the sport like Nick Boletari, but really growing up, I knew about Boletari. People talk about Boletari and he was, you know, the, the face of turning people into professional tennis players and being the face of coaching. And, you know, tennis really did lose a great one today uh, because of everything that Boletari has done for the sport and the way that he has made so many kids dreams come true by bringing them through his academy and coaching them to be professional tennis players. So rest in peace to Nick Boletari as he passes away at age 91. Sorry to end this episode on such a, a a sad note, but he deserves a tribute and he deserves to be mentioned because of everything that he's done for the sport that we all love. Speaking of the sport we all love, we are going to get back into some stuff next week 
on the podcast. Talk a little ATP awards. There's been th- some uh, some nominees that have been put out. They're out right now. You can go see them online, but I'm going to give you my take on them next week right here on Believe in the ATP Tour. Appreciate you listening. The awards come out next week. The awards give out next week, so I'm going to hopefully get a podcast out early in the week, get you some nominees, get you who I think is going to win, and talk about who is on those nominees list. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you later. See you next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.